Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. One of the signs of impending birth is donuts. You look at the pig's teats, and you're supposed to look for donuts. So every single day we were going out into the barn, Kay was like, look for donuts, look for donuts. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I will. So I had donuts. I'm always looking for donuts. <laughs> That's literally how I spend every day of my life, just looking for donuts. <laughs> Dying chickens. A surprise pig birth. And the story of trying to save the life of a little deformed piglet. We have an incredible show in store for you. Don't go anywhere. The first big news we have to share with you in today's show, we actually have completed our huge fencing project. Everybody, I'm here with Glenn from Martin and Sun Fencing. Uh, Glenn is here with his team this week. They're doing our long-awaited, we've been talking about this, Glenn, for like a year, we've been telling the yeah. audience we're gonna be getting high tensile fencing. We are so excited. You would have thought the president rolled in this morning when everybody was like, he's here! <laughs> Actually, we're more excited than even if the president showed up. <laughs> Glenn is the most popular man on this farm today. What are you guys doing? What's step one, Glenn? Okay, step one, we're going around. Uh, well, so to introduce, we are putting up a high tensile wire uh, perimeter fence around Austin's field up here. And so the first step is to go around and mark off where we want to put our post, especially our corner post, because the corners are the most strategic parts. Uh, because in a high tensile fence, your ends and corners is where all the strain gets. So we're going around and setting them, and then we're striking lines between the corners wherever we can go straight. You guys got that awesome machine. It's, uh, it's drilling and it's pounding. What does that do for you? As long as the ground is fit enough, we can just pound the post straight in. We don't need to point the ends, don't need to dig normally, just pound them straight in. But today, unfortunately, we're on top of a hill. We live on a mountain. <laughs> there's a lot of shale and it's actually yeah. really dry up on the hill. So we're already having to auger. Yeah, so that'll add a little bit of time to the project. Uh, but all in all, uh, this install, if everything goes smoothly, we're looking at just a couple of days. And for yeah. us, that's really, really exciting because our animals are ready to hit the grass. It's already growing really, really nicely. They're looking at me through the fence line right now. They're angry, they're not out. So the quicker we're done, the quicker they're out and we're grazing animals. What's our next step, Glenn? Okay, so once we have the corner posts set and solid, and then we'll uh, pound the line posts. Once the posts are all in, we're gonna be building our braces 
actually while the one team's doing the post, Jordan and I are going to be going around building braces a while. Awesome. So then once the braces are up, we're going to start tacking up wire. Awesome. All right. Well, I don't want to hold you up anymore. Let's get to work. <laughs> That's great. So we've been on the job an extra day because we ran into some really hard shale. Um, Austin's property here has some really good hard shale. It's great <laughs> for packing, but it, it made it actually for a whole extra day of digging. Um, we pounded the first maybe one third or one quarter of the posts, but then we had to auger the rest because it was so hard we just couldn't pound. Once we had the posts in, then we went around and built our braces, the end braces, corner braces, and strung out the wire. I wasn't here for that, but we ran the wire around uh, six strands. The wire comes in rolls. It's uh, 4,000 foot rolls, and we have what we call a spinning jenny. We drop the roll of wire onto it, and just uh, we have it on the front of our Kubota RTV. We drive around the fence line just unwrapping the wire as we go. The plastic in or rubber insulators, we uh, slide them all on from the one end and string them out as we go. They're uh, what they call tube insulators is what we used on this project. We've been at this a couple days now and uh, we're finally, finally, uh, it's funny, for like two days it looked like nothing changed yeah. and now it looks done. There's like a beautiful, beautiful high tensile fence behind us here. Yeah, a lot of the work goes into actually putting the posts in, That's especially so on this much. job where yeah. the ground was so hard. Yeah. So a lot of our energy and time went into putting the posts in. I couldn't believe it because earlier today you were still pounding posts and I'm thinking like, oh man, it's going to be another couple days. And then I looked and oh, the fence is done. <laughs> yeah. There's still a few more things, a couple gates that got to go up. Um, and then we are going to do another big project down here later in the week so we'll show that in another video but as far as the high tensile fence goes by the end of today we're gonna to be able yeah. to get some animals out on pasture which is incredible we've been waiting for this a long time so I can't thank you guys enough Glenn you did a beautiful job uh, this fencing looks looks great it's gonna work great and Glenn assured me those those posts are never coming out <laughs> uh, your team man they're hard workers I was watching them jackhammering and slamming stuff in uh, Glenn, if people want to get a hold of you for a fencing job, how, where, what area do, do you work in and how do they reach you? Okay, so we're centered out of Blair County, Pennsylvania, uh, the town of Martinsburg and Williamsburg. Our business name is Martin and Son Fencing, LLC. And uh, we do have a Facebook page. You can find us on Facebook, uh, on Google. Um, we don't really have a website at this point. I can help you out with that. <laughs> I know a thing or two. <laughs> well, Glenn's been awesome. His crew's been great. If you're looking for somebody in the PA area, you know, to do some fencing, I can't recommend you guys enough. You've been great. Appreciate so, that. Yep. We'll update you as the project continues, but man, at the end of this video, you're gonna see, I mean, we're gonna have cows out on pasture, drones flying over, it's gonna be beautiful. So stay tuned. That looked super easy, that whole project. <laughs> when you put like music to it, and fast motion. Oh man, it's like HDTV. That's what gets you in trouble. Everybody in the chat's gonna be like, oh man, that's so easy. I should totally do that on my homestead. And then like a year later, it'll be done. <laughs> yeah, for us, that would have taken probably months to oh, do. Oh my goodness. Because they ended up running into like giant rocks that they needed <laughs> to rock. jackhammer. They ran into Pennsylvania is what they ran into. <laughs> so they, were, they should have been expecting it. Yeah. 
Yeah, they were jack, literally jackhammering out there to get some of those posts in. Yeah, I remember that they, the, the original project was supposed to be three days. And I came out on day two, they were still doing the holes. And I saw the guys holding a, like, man, man, man. Um, because they had sorry, a, an auger, is it called, for the machine? Yeah. An auger to drill the holes when they got rough. But they could not use the auger to do no, this. No, they were literally like, digga, 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 digga. I was like, oh no, this is going to take a month. But it didn't, it didn't because take a month. we weren't doing it. Yeah, it took a week and a couple days and literally our animals are out there on pasture. We've been talking about this project for a while. And if you're really interested in the design and how the fence works and all that, in the summertime, after we've like worked with the fence and we got the whole system down, we're going to be doing a whole series on high tensile fencing, electric fencing, all that in collaboration with Kenco Fencing. They're the ones who sponsored the project. But that's coming this summer, so stay tuned for that. Uh, today we have a million and two things to talk about. Yeah, I have to say this is our first real fence we've ever had on our property. Even the one in Connecticut, when we first started homesteading about 10 years ago, we were really, we were dragging rolls of rusted fencing out of the woods that the previous owner had left there but it's Babe, it wasn't even fencing the previous owner had done a project they had poured a foundation and he had the rolls of the metal that you lay into a oh, foundation was? it wasn't even fencing it was like the wire that you put in a foundation uh when you're going to pour the concrete. Well, that makes more sense why he had it there. Yeah, it was all, it was in the woods there. And we were like, perfect, we can use this because we're poor and that can work. <laughs> and metal free rods that he got from someone that he welded to cut in half. It was the ugliest fencing oh, yeah, really that I've ever seen ever. Because then we put, because we were keeping goats in, we put uh, sections of wood through those posts to make the fence taller to keep the goats in. Yeah. It was awful. So to have this really nice, professionally installed fencing, it's a, oh, big it's a deal. thing of beauty. <laughs> we match so nicely today. Like, like our blue it. colors on, our homesteady shirts. If you want a homesteady shirt, we got links below. Homesteady swag. Plenty of good stuff. Uh, thanks for letting us know in the chat box that you can see us and you can hear us and where you're from and what's going on in your life. Uh, we are watching the chat box. Of course, we'd like to thank our mods at the beginning of the show. We have a couple mods with us today. Uh, they keep the chat nice and clean to make sure all the crazies stay out. So thank you mods for your hard work. We did not do a live show last Monday because uh, I actually did a live show with another channel that Saturday. And so we skipped Monday. So in the week and a half we've been gone, so many things have happened on this homestead. And I've, in addition to the big fencing project, animal-wise, we've grown. We have literally like 20 more animals on this homestead right now. And you're going to learn about a lot of those today. And then some things went wrong, some things went right. So let's dive in. Coming into last week, they started working on the fencing project, which meant our, we're kind of out of the field, just keeping everybody contained near the barn. Then they started working on the paddock fencing because those were rusted and falling down. Coming into mm, Thursday of last week, we, our paddock fencing was down. 
which meant everybody was pigs, everybody was needing to be moved every day so the guys could take down more fencing, put up fencing. It was chaos. Yeah, Just it was chaos. Such chaos. And we were a little bit concerned because we were preparing for a pig to give birth. You may have been following along our Cooney Cooney journey over the last year. Back in the spring, we brought Cooney Coonies onto the homestead and we brought a couple sows, or I should say gilts at the time, and we brought on uh, three boars with the idea that we would pick our favorite Cooney Cooney boar and breed him with our gilts, and we would take our other two that weren't our favorites and we would eat them. <laughs> Which is what we did. Yeah, they, they were, were delicious. delicious. They were really good. The sows, we were watching, Kay had been watching everybody, they were in the paddocks together seeing if there was breeding happening and she observed some breeding so we took notes and we had our idea of around when to expect the birth and we were watching both of them, uh, the two different gilts, and uh, watching the dates and our initial thought, uh, the initial time period kind of passed, we thought alright well maybe we missed that first cycle, we'll watch for the next cycle. One of the gilts started really showing signs. Really filling out, very round. Her, uh, she was filling with milk. And uh, so we were on like high alert. Yeah. Like okay, get her in the barn, get her ready for these babies. Yeah. Uh, and of course, was it the day before we pulled her in the barn? Uh, the next day was cold. Cold, 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 like yeah. below freezing. Yeah. So we're figuring, oh great, it's cold day. Of course she's gonna give birth. So we brought her into the barn because, like Kay said, our fencing was down. Uh, it was just chaos all over the place outside. We thought we'll bring her into the barn. We set up the heat lamp. We got the straw, and we we'll, you'll see this in the upcoming vlog. We were like checking her overnight, mm, expecting it, we had, it. Yeah, we had the camera. So every few hours, I was waking up. He was waking up, checking the camera, and it's the middle of the night. So. My eyes saw so many piglets being born <laughs> on the camera. On the camera, that were just like just where the hay had Lumps been displaced. So I saw a little bit of a stall mat poking through. It looks. I took a picture to show us, and I said, "Cause that looks so much like a piglet at 2 a.m." But it wasn't. Night it, after night. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. So then. We uh, were like, "All right, well, we just we kept her in the stall." Then we noticed. Tiny. So, so our first guilt, her name is Munchkin. Yeah. And we hadn't actually named her up until this point. The reason we named her Munchkin, uh, one of the signs of impending birth is donuts. You look at the pig's teats and you're supposed to look for donuts. So every single day we were going out into the barn, Kay was like, look for donuts, look for donuts. <laughs> Austin's like, yeah, I will. <laughs> so I had donuts. I'm always looking for donuts. <laughs> That's literally how I spend every day of my life, just looking for donuts. <laughs> <laughs> so I went out to the barn every day looking for donuts and I'm thinking like, oh, donuts, donuts, what should we name this pig? She deserves a name, she's about to give birth. And I thought, she's the little Cooney Cooney, they're small, so I thought of like, small, what are small donuts? Oh, munchkins, right? You get the little donut holes at Dunkin' Donuts. So we named her Munchkin, and it worked really well because the other guilt, her name was Tiny. She came to us named Tiny for obvious reasons. Yeah, she was the tiniest of her group. And I always thought it was funny because the person we bought her from, we had already paid a deposit, and she showed up. <laughs> it was like, like very early in COVID days. We got, we got those guilts. I think it was February or March COVID days. Yeah, so we couldn't be picky. No, we like, just met him in the the parking lot of tractor supply yeah if we have a pig we're gonna take it and be <laughs> grateful we have a pig so 
she unloaded them. She's like, oh yeah, there you go. That one's tiny. She was the smallest of the bunch. We're like, oh great, we got the run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll take her. It's COVID. We'll take any pig we can get. So um, Tiny and Munchkin were our two gilts. And Munchkin, we were watching, watching, watching. We just started noticing, hey, look, Tiny is starting to... Starting to pop. Yeah. She's she really starting to look like, oh, okay, she, she will be giving birth as well. So we were sitting down for morning coffee and my parents were actually visiting. We were uh, getting ready for a big day with them and some farm work and some farm tours and Kay and I were sitting down having coffee and my son comes running up to the house, bang, bangs on the door and says, quick, quick, Tiny, she's got a little pig with her. And she's with the boars. And she's with the boars. We were literally sitting down to coffee saying like, all right, where should we put Tiny? How are we gonna make some room with all this fencing being down? And all of a sudden we stumbled upon what was the very first pig birth at our homestead ever. We got pigs being born. They're filming the baby pigs are being born. Another one's popping out right now. It's like four so far. As you can see, we were not expecting any pig births. I got my robe on. Do you want to explain to the YouTube world why you're dressed in a robe right now? <laughs> uh, we just did a sleepover at our uh, grandparents. They're staying for a little while. And so Grampy came out. He was, he likes the pigs a lot, so he came out and he saw the baby pig. And then he said, there's a baby pig out there, like a little, little one. And then he pointed to Tiny and I was like, oh, it's just Tiny. And then I saw the baby pig behind Tiny's back and then I was like, oh, I better run get da get Daddy. What so, did you say when you ran to the house? Uh, Tiny's in with the boars and she has a piglet. Yeah. <clears throat> So now you're going to have a bunch of pigs here because you're going to have pigs with the other one, right? Yes, we are. She made a nice little nest. She did a good job. They're beautiful. Look how beautiful this speckled one is. You're a grandpa. I have pigs. Look, I found, found the nanny. You have so, I have so much pigs, he said. He doesn't fool any. Yeah, he's doing a great job. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, 
have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I have so much pigs. That's, <laughs> yep, that's us right now. I have so that's much us. pigs. That's so much pigs. <laughs> he's, a little, he's a grandpa, piggy grandpa. Yeah. She did fantastically. She was... She laid down, she made herself that bed. Uh, Austin and his dad ran out and put the boars, they got them behind a fence, paddocked them off. The boars weren't being aggressive at all. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. They were all kind of gathered around Tiny and they were sitting there like watching, circled around her, nobody messing with her. Tiny had made that little nest, she was laying there popping them out. I wish I had gotten that on camera. It was the coolest thing to see just all the boars just like watching, like, oh, this is cool. And who knows? We've heard stories about, you know, boars being more aggressive, um, causing problems. So who knows what would have happened if we hadn't been able to, you know, move them back. But it was very cool to see. They were just kind of like checking it out. Oh, cool. You pigs. And she, and she was calm. She laid down. She didn't get up from first piglet to last piglet. She didn't move at all. It was really amazing to see. I've never seen a pig give birth, and now we have seen a few. <laughs> so I know how nice it is to have a pig like Tiny who was so calm and not worried, just really popping them out, just popping out those babies. You know, we would have, if we had seen the signs from Tiny like we did from Munchkin, we, we were actually that morning, we were talking about moving her into the barn. <laughs> And we personally, if you've watched enough of the Homesteady Birth videos, you've seen, uh, we don't necessarily always intervene in a birth. Um, there's some births that have gone off without a hitch here on the homestead, and we like to stand back and observe. But we like to be ready to help if there are any issues. Uh, we have had issues with certain births. You can think of Lacey, our goat, mm. who had trouble. She had a really big Especially first-timers. We don't know with our goats, they were first timers, first time fresheners, we didn't know how they would react to their kids. Not perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> they both needed help allowing their kids to nurse. Uh, Ladybug had had a calf already, she did great with her, so we didn't have to do a thing with Luna. These, I wasn't sure how the gilts would react, how Tiny would react. Also, it was outside, I didn't want the piglets getting chilled, which is why I dried them off pretty fast and put them on her to make sure everybody was eating right away. Thankfully, the weather changed and we got out of that freezing cold and it got, it was beautiful and sunny. Not hot, but warm enough in the sun that the piglets were all warm. Yeah, and uh, and eventually once everything settled down, we were able to get Tiny to come on into the barn so we could keep an eye on her and her piglets. And uh, they're all doing fantastic. Uh, from Tiny's lot, uh, we had the seven. Now, as you'll see in the upcoming vlogs, we are gonna share all this in vlog form. Uh, sure enough, eventually Munchkin did go and... The next day, yeah, that next night, she finally ended up 
having her babies. And yeah. the signs, she was very obvious in her signs. Yeah, so if, different. If we had, yeah, if we had, we were looking for signs all that last week and every move she made, is she nesting? <laughs> Look at her, she's, she's in the ground, is she nesting? Oh, she got up and, and laid back down. It was obvious when she was nesting. Yeah, yeah, and you'll see, we're, I'm gonna have a video, Munchkins was like the, the picture perfect what to look for if your pig's about to give birth. We saw, you know, the, the large size, the teats getting bigger, the donuts appearing, the milk showing, the nesting, everything like picture perfect. Tiny, hmm. just out of the blue. We did, because it was getting down to freezing those nights, we moved Tiny inside into a stall with a heat lamp so she and the piglets could go into there. In a stall that Munchkin had been in like all week with a heat lamp that she had been sunbathing under all week. Nice <laughs> nice and comfy. We were worried she was faking it just so she could have that nice in the barn, uh, relaxing, Cozy you know, experience. living that best pig life. <laughs> and I don't know how much you want to talk about Munchkin's birth and, and how different it was than Tiny's, her farrowing. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a there was a real big difference between the two. As mothers, they were very different, and we don't know why. Maybe it was because Munchkin's a bigger pig. She was inside longer, so she had been getting pampered a little bit more. Her piglets may have been a little larger, and she did not pop them out like Tiny did hers. Yeah, and we're really curious. You know, there's a lot of things that can cause these issues, and, and unfortunately, we'll just never know. But looking back, Tiny was literally outside, living her normal pig life, fighting, walking around. Fighting the boars over food. Just walking around, yeah. you know, the farm. Following help. the chicken tractors, eating all the feed. Yeah, she was out in the pastures, running around, getting exercise, moving and moving and moving. And she didn't show super signs, uh, so we hadn't, you know, kind of sectioned her off. We hear a lot from people who raise Cooney Coonies that they literally, like, are walking around and then suddenly the sow will disappear into the woods and the next day she comes out with you know all her piglets, piglets. in the toe. And that is exactly what Tiny would have done. Yeah. She made the nest, she got ready, shot him out. We babied Munchkin. We took her inside, we gave her her own, you know. Her rations. Yeah, and kept her, you know, and she laid around in the stall and maybe because she wasn't moving around so much. I don't know, but she, I helped a little bit with the first piglet birth because she had been contracting for so long. She got that one out and screamed as it was coming out. And then she jumped up and ran away from it. Like, what did you just do to me? <laughs> it, so for the first three or four piglets, everyone that came out, she'd stand up, scream, and run away from them. And then she started kind of charging them. She was so different. Yeah. Now it is her first time. So. And we hear that a lot when it comes to births. You never judge the mother from the first birth. So although Munchkin was a little more aggressive, she did eventually settle down. Uh, you'll see in the vlog, I stayed up a little bit. Uh, it went into the night late, and yeah, I stayed up waiting. You want to wait till you see that afterbirth and make sure they're actually done. So as time kept going on, she got a little bit more calm, a little more used to what was happening, and we haven't had any more aggression with her piglets. Uh, Shane did mention about feeder the moms being aggressive, the bigger pigs, and we don't let the kids, we, we let them in with Tiny. She was very sedate, kind of knocked out. Yeah. Now that the, the moms are bigger, they can, bigger, getting, the piglets are getting older, the moms can be a little more protective of them. So the kids don't go in with them if the moms are in there. 
Even though they're smaller pigs, they still, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to be in with them when they're getting protective of their babies. Yeah, even though they're smaller, they, yeah, they're still a force. Uh, but yeah, the difference, Tiny, what we saw in Tiny was a fantastic birth. Um, just like picture perfect. Mm -hmm. We saw. Easy, so easy. Very, very natural mothering. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like great. And Munchkin, a little more aggression, uh, not as easy of a birth. So yeah, we'll have to see. We were about to use the beer. Austin brought it out to the barn. They'll say if a mother's not nursing, if she's too anxious to give her a beer, kind of settle her down and let the babies nurse. Instead, I had the beer, so. <laughs> so it worked out okay. So all in all, it was a really cool experience having uh, piglets for the first time on the homestead. How many did they each have? Did we say oh, that yet? Oh, seven and seven. Seven and so. seven. They both had the same. And Munchkin crazy. was huge compared to Tiny. Yeah, I was betting we, 11 out of We Munchkin. were betting, yeah, double at least what Tiny had, but they each had seven. Yeah, it was it was cool. And it was a full moon. It was like exactly what you and expect. Tiny had two girls, five boys. Munchkin had three girls, four boys. So it's definitely boy heavy this year. Yeah, it, lots of boys. Um, and our, of the... Of the boys versus the girls, there were one, would you classify as a runt, technically? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, okay. Of the boys? No. no, no, the girls. Oh, the girls, yeah. Right. So yeah, she was the runt. One of Tiny's. She's the one you can you can see me holding there with the little white dot on her head. She's black with a little white dot in her head, little stripes. Yeah, so that's she's, Tiny, too. She's little. <laughs> Look at the, diff the size difference. Yeah. And it took her longer to latch. What I ended up doing was milking a little bit of the colostrum from Tiny and giving it to the baby by a syringe. So that kind of perked her up a little bit. I know some have uh, since told me you could use corn syrup or honey if they need a little bit of sugar to help them. But that perked her up. And you can see right right after that, she really started like looking for the milk. Yeah, we were worried because, you know, a runt. Uh, we both came into this with a different opinion yeah. about runts. Usually we come into our homesteading life with different opinions. Shocker. I come in more like the, the farmer trying to run a business, make some money. Yeah, see how tiny she's grow some She's food. that one right in the front. Yeah, she's de so tiny much. too. I mean, look at her look siblings at her like crawling over, over her. She's not that one. She's the one underneath that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> she's that little black one. Uh, so tiny too. Before, look at me, I'm like, no. <laughs> before she even showed up, I had said, coming into this birth decay, I was like, you know, this is a pig birth. We're going to have lots and lots of, uh, you know, little piglets, and uh, we, we can't baby the runs. We can't be nursing long runs. If we get a run, we got to let nature take its course. I'm Farmer Ross. I'm going to do the <laughs> farmer thing. And I said, well, we'll see. I believe what you said is I'm not going to watch something die. No. Yeah. Sounds like something I would say. Not yeah. if I could do something about it. I was reading through about commercial pig operations who, if they have enough sows or gilts, will take the tiniest piglets from litters and put them on a sow, maybe had a smaller litter. They make it like a, a tiny, a, like little runt litter, so they don't have so much competition from the bigger piglets. Because there's still value in these little pigs, get, get them a good start. I mean, look at Tiny. Still Tiny, but she gave us nice... Nice little piglet. That's the thing. Tiny was technically the runt of her litter, and yet of the two of them, she was a better mom. So as far as like mothering goes, depending mm -hmm. on what we're breeding for, good natural birth, good natural mothering instinct, Tiny's looking better right now. So Right. And 
it's hard with Cooney Coonies because there are people who breed them for pets. So they will be breeding for a smaller pig. People who are going to be breeding them for meat will want a bigger pig. Yeah, and you know, Cooney Coonies, it's not like your first go-to meat thing. But if you're a homesteader and it's one of the reasons you have pigs, it's something to consider. So it's one of those discussions we thought it's interesting to have because when you're a farmer and you're trying to make money. Most farmers I've met love their animals. I've never met a farmer who didn't love the animals and want to care for the animals and do and right by them. I bet anyone who's grown up on a farm has a story about a pig in the kitchen by the wood stove or a calf there, maybe chicks that were outside and it was too cold. Yeah. I think every farmer has a story about the animals that they worked harder to save. But at the same time, you do have to make more business focused decisions think about your time your energy your effort and how long and how far you will go to try to save something uh, when you approach things as a homesteader that that line can shift a little bit because while you're doing it for maybe food maybe even a little side income uh, you're also doing it as a hobby you're doing it maybe because you like just having the animals around more like a, a pet and this situation uh we were faced with with this second birth, Munchkin's birth. Uh, we got a situation that kind of made that very, very clear and is currently right now like that. Uh, one of the little piglets was born with a little deformity. It has a... A, a cleft lip? Maybe a cleft palate. It's hard to see. It's not a large cleft palate. It's mostly the cleft lip that's causing him the issues, which means he can't suck. So obviously a little piglet that cannot suck is not going to survive left with its, Mother. you know, with its litter there. Uh, so, <laughs> so obviously it's so not with its it litter right now. Inside our home. Now there's a pig living inside our house. I thought the duck people were weird. Ah, well. <laughs> uh, this little piglet. Uh, are, are, Doesn't that, isn't that part of the story? This little piglet stayed home? Yeah, this little piglet did stay home. Uh, kind of worked itself into the family's hearts. Um, Which isn't hard for a piglet to do. You can see his little cleft lip there. Because piglets, my dad always says, there's nothing cuter than a baby pig. And piglets are really cute. Add to that bringing them inside and kind of having them with their four little feet click, click, clicking on the floor. Yeah. Like little high heels. <laughs> and and they are absolutely just captivating. The cat was trying to figure out, like, is this a rat or a mouse? It moves it, a little different. It smells good. It's a like, mouse with really nice hands. It smells like milk, so <laughs> he likes that. <laughs> he d gives the uh, piglet a little lick after he eats. The piglet can't naturally feed off of its its mother. Obviously, as a piglet grows, it's, it doesn't just nurse anymore. It starts eating regular food. And the long term, uh, because of the way this cleft uh, lip is, there is a chance that this piglet could actually survive if in the early days it's nursed along. So, so it has been thoroughly nursed. It's, it's very much nursed. two days old now. And he's... He's having milk from a syringe, goat's milk from a syringe. I actually utilized a Facebook group about mini pigs who have been either orphaned or taken away from their mother too soon to give me instructions on how to help this little piglet. Will, will this help? 
he's in the house under the heat lamp. He's happy. He's running around. His belly's full. I don't know. I wish I could say yes for my four-year-old's sake, but we've talked to him about animals die, and we try the best we can, but sometimes they just get sick and they won't make it. The risk is inhaling the milk because stuff's open and is the roof of his mouth. If he inhales it into his lungs, gets pneumonia. It's hard. It's a hard decision to make. How long do you want to nurse that along? And it's one of those decisions as a homesteader, you're going to be faced with like this, this often. You're going to be faced with animals that are sick, animals that are uh, deformed or have, you know, weak weakness, runts. Um, right. And it's never something you want to breed. We are not going to breed this pig. He's a little boy. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, we got some advice from uh, our IPP, uh, our IPP peeps. <laughs> uh about as far as breeding goes, if you were to find it again from Munchkin, another one, they said breed her again. Uh, but if you were to see this come up again, at that point, you would not want to because it can be caused from different things. It, yeah, it could be nutritional, some deficiencies. It could also be hereditary. Right. So if we were to see it again at that point, we'd want to say, all right, no more breeding from Munchkin's line. Um, but yeah, that question of how far do you go for an animal? When do you try to. And it's save amazing it? because. He's a pig who probably would go to be a feeder, right? Odds are we have oh, a lot yeah, of boys absolutely. in this group. We may sell him to be a feeder pig. But all of a sudden, that changes. Yeah. You, you bring him inside. You're taking care of him. He gets a name. Like, well, if he survives, he's going to be our pet pig. I guess Homestead will have a mascot. How's that? <laughs> and now, now I know why people get pet piglets, at least. I always wondered about people with pet pigs because I see pigs. Yeah. I know how destructive, nosy, smart pigs are. Like how how could you keep something like that in your house and stay sane? <laughs> but if you start with a piglet, I think you just get hooked. Oh. You get suckered in. So there's that side, right? There's the side of the animal that even though there's a problem, you decide, you know what, there's I like this animal, I want to try to help it, and then you grow attached to it. <laughs> we were faced with yet another problem with animals this last couple weeks on the homestead. And because mm -hmm. of the nature of these animals, uh, we're taking things a different direction. We were not attached. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the last couple of weeks, we started noticing our Cornish crosses, which we are raising for meat. One purpose, meat birds, they don't make a good pet. They don't no, live a long life. No, they don't life. live long enough. Um, we're going to show you a video of what we started finding, and then we're going to talk about, uh, in our new segment, another disease I learned about from Homesteady. <laughs> <laughs> 
This all really started a few days ago, maybe a week ago. We moved the chickens out into the tractors, you'll remember, and uh, everybody looked good and happy and we were moving them along. And each morning we started finding a couple dead chickens. Yeah, sometimes one, sometimes two. And we noticed some other ones were starting to look a little uh, run down, weren't moving as much. Yeah. So we knew something was going on. See the comb? Open mouth breathing. What do you notice about the comb? It's bluer, not red. Even comparing these two. See how much bluer that one looks? Hear that noise? He's wheezing. Yeah. Like fluid, look at that, look at that. That's not normal. Water belly. So this has been our like morning routine. Let's go out and find more dead chickens or dying chickens. And as you saw in that video, uh, we went from finding dead chickens, which then you start say, okay, what's going wrong here? Then you start to find more dying chickens. Because with Cornish, it's not unusual to find one dead. They're prone to heart issues. They grow so fast. They're just not designed to have a long life. So it's not unusual to find it. Right. But at this number that we've been having, that is unusual. And for those who wonder, no, we've, we've this has never happened to us before. We're not, <laughs> not used to losing such a high number of our chicks and the chickens uh, in the last 10 years that we've done them. We started doing some research to try to figure out what's going wrong. <clears throat> Why are we seeing above average death with the Cornish? and checking out their symptoms, figuring out, okay, what's different than just, you know, you have Cornish, we'll get a heart attack and they'll drop dead, but what, what is different or unique about this bunch? Yeah, why so many? And just reading through people's blog posts, vlogs, <laughs> and then looking at the research papers, trying to find is there a disease i was really worried that this was some kind of weird disease <laughs> maybe i actually joked maybe we gave our birds covid and they're all dying of covid it's um, a funny joke right <laughs> real time timeless humor Austin. because we we are seeing them turning blue right so that's that's saying the blood oxygen is not being pumped through them like it should be so there's something strange going this happened to one of our roosters last year we noticed that he was going through what we think was heart failure. So his comb was turning blue and he ended up, we butchered him because we knew he was dying. Yeah, so in, in all our research, I stumbled across this, this uh, condition. I've got to be careful of my terms here. Yeah. Uh, it's a condition called ascites. A-S-C-I-T-E-S. -E People get this too. Yep, and basically uh, a term, another term will be used to describe as water belly. And what you will find when you cut open the bird, because we did an autopsy, uh, we cut open one. That's what butchering for, for eating is called. <laughs> butchering to make sure they're okay to eat, it I guess. It is called an autopsy. Uh, we found, once we started seeing ones were dying, we decided, you know what, let's, before they actually die, uh, let's, you know, butcher one and see what's going on. Because if it's a disease, obviously we don't want to eat something that's diseased. If we find a bird dead and we don't know why it died, we don't like to eat a bird like that. Um, so we're not going to eat a bird that we found dead. But if there's one that's getting sicker or 
getting weaker. Some of us have no problem eating it. <laughs> Others wanted to make sure it was not a disease that was going to be passed to us. So we did the research. We found out about this ascites. We found out what to look for. And then we cut one open to see, is this what we're dealing with? So basically, ascites can happen to your Cornish crosses. Uh, they are genetically predisposed more, to it. more likely to get have this issue. They basically get a weak heart. Uh, their body, because their heart cannot work properly, fluid will build up in their system. They'll get actual like water in their belly. If you if you jiggle the bird or push on its belly, you'll see like bleh, 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 bleh. it jiggles. It's watery. When you cut them open, they kind of pop. The kids are laughing. Yeah, the the first one I did, I saw I was getting sick. Austin was away. They were picking up a piglet, and I butchered it. But it had been a long time since I butchered birds and all this fluid came out. And I thought, okay, maybe I just don't remember that. And I didn't mention it to you until he started reading through these uh, symptoms that would come from ascites. And that was one of them, a yellowish fluid filling the cavity. I said, that happened when I butchered that bird. It's I opened gross. it up and it all came out. It's like you popped a balloon full of you, pee. You'd think like <sighs> maybe it's pee, yeah. Yeah, it was but, really... And a chicken. <laughs> the kids love this. They like that imagery, a balloon full of pee. Gross. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, and their heart, their heart, if you've ever eaten a chicken heart, a chicken heart is like a bouncy ball. It's firm, it's strong little muscle. These hearts are like jello. They're flabby, mushy. We didn't even want to eat it because it's, it's just like a nasty flabby piece of flab. <laughs> what can cause this? And Cornish cross can be high altitude. So they're not a bird to raise in a high altitude setting or extremely cold weather when they're young, when they're chicks. If you watched our vlog about chick death in our recent series about raising meatbirds, you'll remember we had a wicked cold snap. It was like 65 degrees. And then the next morning we woke 20. up to sub 30 degree weather and we lost a lot of chicks. And this was very early on in their life. And ascites is especially likely to happen with your Cornish crosses if they're subjected to above normal cold temperature or below, below normal, normal yeah <laughs> a below normal colder temperatures at a young age even while they're still in the egg yeah and this is the crazy part is you'll have the die off from the ones that got cold and and weren't strong enough to fight we had it the initial die off but the ascites is something that while triggered from that event when they were young won't start to show itself till they're 3 to eight weeks old. So in the later part of their life. It is a genetic thing. Hatcheries could breed Cornish cross that are less genetically predisposed to this, but it becomes it becomes a matter of they, they like the big, fast-growing birds with large breasts, so this is what's happening. Yeah. For us, this hatchery we've been using... I don't think our next batch of Cornish will order from them. If we order our next batch of Cornish at all. We've done Freedom Rangers in the past, Red Rangers, whatever you want to call them. The product, the chickens were so similar, the product was fine, but not worth, I feel like, the four weeks extra that it took to grow them. But we haven't had a great last two batches of Cornish. Oh man, it's been a bad couple of years of Cornish. And... We are talking about, we haven't made a decision. We'll decide this in the winter when we're sitting there and trying to order. But this is something to remember about Cornish. They're so delicate. Yeah. This, this really, they're already 
a delicate machine and if you add that stress of cold days when they're chicks five six seven weeks later we're having chickens die because of what happened when they were chicks and you can't do anything about it and these are big seven pound birds that not seven not yet they're <laughs> maybe now but the ones today that the ones were, i picked up and the one out. i did i think was a three pounder they weren't this big yet. Today, we have seven pound chickens wow. dropping dead that we have filled with $10, $15 worth of feed, spent two, you know, or uh, almost four, two months. Don't go through the numbers, it'll depress yeah. you. And we were down from, from uh, like almost 50% loss from that one cold snap. Not from the initial cold death, but because of now this ascites condition that they have. And at this point, there's nothing we can do except figure out who's weak and say, okay, you're going to die, you're going to die, yeah. you're going to die, butcher, butcher, butcher. And that's what we started doing. If we saw a few that we knew would be dead the next day, we took and butchered them because the meat's still fine to eat. Not a disease, can't be the transferred meat is darker, to a person. Then you would get from one who doesn't have this. Yeah. So the good news is if you can identify... Based off the symptoms we told you, if you can say, hey, I'm dealing with ascites, it's not a disease. There's nothing wrong with the meat. They can't give you that condition. So you should have, if you find the chicken alive, but it's weak, you can kill it like you always do. We, we went and put them in the uh, killing cones, went ahead and, you know, bled the chicken, butchered the chicken, and we have some delicious, good quality meat. Uh, just a little, a little bit earlier than we expected. Yeah, a little earlier. And, and we're moving our butcher day forward this week as soon as we can get it done because every and, single day we're losing more. And we know don't have chicks, especially Cornish this chicks. This is the big lesson, yeah. When you can still expect to have cold snaps, which for us, we're coming into May, we're still having thir minus, not minus, <laughs> 30 degree weather, which would be too cold for the chicks if, if the heat lamps couldn't keep up with that. Yeah, even if you're prepared, this is what got us. We were prepared in the barn for the temperature. Uh, our barn is an insulated barn, and we have heat lamps and things, but you adjust to the weather you're getting. So you go from, all right, it's it's 40 out. Let's have three heat lamps on, ready to go. Oh, it's 50 out. Let's take one away, and the chicks are a little older. Okay, we're, we're two weeks in. The chicks don't need it to be 90 degrees anymore. So as you're adjusting, and then the next day, boom, you get hit with 20 degrees, 15 degrees in the morning. If you're not ready for that, that can, as we have learned from this experience, especially something so so uh, you know flimsy as a Cornish cross. That flimsy, can be poor Cornish cross. Delicate. How about delicate? delicate? That's, I mean, delicate, though, is like a nice word. It's, I don't know. they're, they're um, who says it? Joel Salatin says they're, they're uh, like a Ferrari, right? Is that what he says? Yeah. They're a, a delicate machine. Yeah. Like I so. know about Ferraris. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe you'll find we don't do Cornish again. Uh, this is a perfect illustration of the choice as a homesteader. When things go wrong with your animals, we got a little pig living in our house right now. We're <laughs> trying to nurse back to health. And at the same time, we're going out and butchering three or four birds okay. every morning. But let's talk about these birds. Because we, us and parents were in and... We were going to the zoo that day. He had got a chicken out of the tractor that he said was going to be dead. <laughs> so we put it, put it, I had a heat lamp set up in the garage with a box for chicks. So I took him, Mr. like six pound Cornish, stuck him in my box with the heat lamp. And he was 
dying. I said, all right, well, we don't have time to butcher him now, but he'll be warm when we come home. If he dies, at least he was comfortable. Well, we came home and he was still alive. <laughs> and we pulled in the driveway and he was like, like talking, like, hey guys. The next day, he was still alive. Walking we're dealing, dealing with pigs birthing and fencing and everybody's out everywhere. So still hadn't butchered him. And gone through his feed, gone but through his water. By that evening, he had decided all six pounds of him to jump out of his box <laughs> and live in my garage then officially. And anybody who went out there, he'd walk up to them. <laughs> my daughter says we should make a movie about him. The Cornish that was so friendly, nobody wanted to kill him. But at this rate, our entire house is just going to be like, Chickens and pigs and all the animals are running around living inside human He's quarters. He's still fine, I assume, because I'm like, nope, I'm not, I'm not feeding this chicken in the house. He's we're, going back up with the other chickens. We're not going to have a pet pig and a pet, and a pet Cornish. Cornish. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> oh man, what a week, what a week. Oh, yeah. So. That so concludes our new our new segment. Everything that's been happening. Diseases I learned about on home study. I'm gonna make a little video sweeper. Just and hopefully, like, hopefully it means you won't have the same thing happen to your chickens or your cows or whatever you're dealing with. Now I think Monique is on. She was earlier. Monique from Australia. Yeah, Monique, we have a fantastic question. Maybe that we're you're share with still you today. there, Monique. Before we get to the question, just to let you uh, remind you, click the link below, join the email list. Uh, this episode of our live show is brought to you by the Homesteady Pioneers, uh, who have our bonus uh, videos and our bonus courses and all our good stuff. Uh, but this week, if you join the email list, everybody's getting access to our our bonus "How to Do Feeder Pigs" course. It's a basic 101 because. It's just about raising feeder pigs. So if you're new to pigs and you want to just raise some feeder pigs, click on the link, join our email list. I'll be sending that out later this week. So stay tuned for that. Let's and get to our letter. Yes. Well, first Dakota wants to know how Grasshopper is. She misses you. Mm. Yeah. We'll have some good cow updates. She's getting fat and sassy. Good cow updates later. Good cow updates. Yeah. She's, I'm afraid, going to whip my butt when I go to train her to milk. So <laughs> Dakota, there will be many amusing videos about me milking grasshopper. <laughs> she better have a teeny tiny little calf for me because she's a pain in the butt. <laughs> she's got so much attitude. I don't know where she gets it from. Jersey, she's the funny one. Jersey attitude. They're, I'm going to be working with them again. I'm starting to get, uh, now that our fencing's done, I'm getting all our rotational grazing stuff So ready. they'll like you again. And they, they do. When I move them on to fresh grass every day, they get to be my buddy. So maybe uh, maybe I'll win them over. Uh, we here, we have, uh, you know, probably 25 acres out in the field for them to rotationally graze. We got the chicken tractors out in the pasture. We have plenty of room to raise our own meat and milk and all kinds of good stuff. But what happens if you don't have 25, 30 acres? What if you only have a couple, maybe two? Maybe you're even looking at a property with only a couple. The question today is... Uh, from Monique from Australia, who is on right now. So is she hi, on? Monique, yes. Hi, Monique. Let us know in the chat box. She did. She uh, said she's here. All right. So, Monique, uh, she wanted to know. She is looking at a property right now that she's thinking of purchasing. And we're not going to share the listing with you all because someone will go out and buy it before Monique does. <laughs> I mean, I love looking at properties. So Kay was really excited to do this. Especially this one's in Australia. She said this. Let us know in the comment section if you think this would make a good HGTV 
like series because then we'll pitch it to them and we can have an HGTV show. It's like uh, house, it's house hunters, hunters, but for farms. farm hunters. It's like homestead hunters. And then Austin said you'd just be selling the same farm this every every six months because they do people the got tired up, of, right? I'm tired of it. Are what you did? tired of your farm? Okay, let us list it for you all now right. again. After six months of all their Cornish crosses dying of ascites, they've decided to move back to the city. Well, Monique wants to move to a farm. She's got all her reasons, and they're great reasons, and she loves the house. The house is perfect for her. The house is really nice. It's very cute. Yeah, super cute, Monique. Um, but she's a little bit worried about only having two acres, uh, whether or not she likes to have meat, Her she wants to share it with her family, some of her animals. Um, so she wants to know, can she raise enough meat off of the two acres for her and her mom a little bit and some animals, maybe, you know, like raising some for dog food and that sort of thing. So then she gave us a lot of details that we could consider. She wrote a great email. If you're going to send us questions. Yes, it's very, she's really thinking a lot about this yeah. the amount of animals, how much they eat, how much she needs to eat of, of meat. It's really, it was a great Lots of details in it, which makes it easier for us to say yes or no, or really do what you want, but we could give you some input. Yeah, if you want to send in a question for Ask Homestudy, give us as many details as possible because it helps us formulate a good answer for you and also help a lot of people. That's why we're going to answer Monique's question. I think two acres is a reasonable amount of land for a lot of people to be looking for. And the first thing we wanted to say to Monique is like, two acres is great. Mm -hmm. Sometimes bigger is not better. There's a lot of reasons why you don't necessarily want to have 10 acres or 30 acres to care for. When you think about the cost associated with using this land, that fencing job we did, we literally just paid for it in linear feet. So linear feet for every foot we had to fence, it was another dollar to spend. So with a bigger property comes bigger expense. Mm -hmm. More and maintenance. Maintenance. Think about the time mowing, right? Because you mow to maintain your fence line. There's, you can say, well, I'm gonna put my animals on and I never have to mow. There's always some maintenance on your property. Yeah, Buildings so, come with maintenance and expense. Yeah, so Monique, not having a huge amount of acreage is not a bad thing. Um, a, a time efficiency, uh, the time, every minute we spend mowing the field is another minute we can't be working with the animals. So not having a huge property is not a bad thing. But now let's kind of zoom in and say, is two acres or even less, is that enough for somebody to raise me and then uh, also in addition to the meat have some other stuff, uh, animals and that sort of thing. So back in Connecticut, our homestead was 10 acres, but we were really only actively using like it was maybe 10 acres, but it was mostly mountainside, really. Yeah. And even the two we were using were not like really good pasture. No. We looked at some of the pictures and Monique does have an area in this property she's looking at that is could be a nice field. And I think with some care and some maintenance and definitely having livestock on it, but moving through it, it could improve. It doesn't look like great pasture. But right I now. think she was very reasonable in saying she knows she can't get a cow. There are some places where two acres would support a cow, but not, not this one. She's in a drier area. Yeah, and, and right now the condition. you don't want right to be bringing in lots of hay. Sure, you could always bring in hay and have a cow in a small area, but if you don't want to do that, if you're trying to keep, you know, just feeding uh, yeah, off Yeah, not worry got. about bringing in all this stuff. So with two acres, back in Connecticut, we had 
dairy goats. We did have a cow with two acres, but we did supplement her diet with a lot of hay. Uh, we raised chickens and we raised pigs. pigs and all sorts of other animals. So for the smaller size homesteads, if you're looking to do meat, you're looking to do livestock, first off, you get a lot of bang for your buck with the smaller livestock like chickens and rabbits. Now, one of the ways Monique was great in her email, she told us kind of like her preferences. And she didn't really like the idea of doing like Cornish crosses in like a chicken tractor mm -hmm. uh, or rabbits, right? Yeah, but she liked the idea of more of a heritage breed that you can go out one day and butcher one chicken and have it for a meal. So absolutely on a smaller homestead, having some good heritage breed birds where you can do the dual purpose thing. And, and literally, as Monique talked about in her email, kind of just pick one for the week and butcher it. Mm -hmm. That's the way we've been each morning going out and finding a couple Cornishes and just butchering them. And we don't do as a nice butcher job that we don't pull no, the plucking we, machine yeah. out for that, but we still get a really good product, really good yield. So yeah, Monique getting, uh, the, what's the breed that we have, uh, that we the like Sussex. We have a breed uh, of Sussex. And I'm sure you've got something in your area, area there. Nice, big, heavy breed of a heritage chicken. Yeah. They have a good egg laying, good meat, dual purpose are never going to do the best at the either. That's a, yeah, you're looking at a different thing. You're looking at something that doesn't have... Cornish are like a ticking time bomb <laughs> where you have to butcher them by a certain point. The heritage aren't. So yeah. you have more flexibility. You don't have to butcher everybody at one time. Yeah. Which is nice for if that's your lifestyle, if that's what you want to do. Now, rabbits would be fantastic. You can get a ton of protein off of rabbits and you can do that quickly. However, if you're in Australia, there is that virus in the mm. soil. So you're not going to do too well with rabbits on the dirt. Uh, we've talked to other people from Australia and New Zealand. Uh, they had that rabbit problem, so they made that virus that kills the rabbits. And you're just not going to be able to fight that very easily. It's my juice. <laughs> Every time. So they made a virus to kill the rabbits? Uh, I don't know the details about it. I Man, better not Australia. say too much about Everything it. kills you, even the government. Even the government. <laughs> Uh, you better check my this facts on that This may not one, be but. true. Welcome to when I was study, talking, true or false. When I was interviewing uh, Dana uh, about meat raising meat rabbits, she was the author of the Raising Meat Rabbits book. She talked about it's hard to raise rabbits in a colony. She's in New Zealand. Uh, I believe she's in New Zealand. Uh, but it's hard to raise because of the virus. They have this virus in the soil. That may or may not have been given to them by the government. Yeah, the government's <laughs> behind it all. But uh, rabbits in a hutch would do well. You could do that uh, if that's something that you wanted to do. Now, if you don't want to do rabbits, you don't want to do Cornish crosses, what are some other ways from a small acreage to get a lot of protein? Sheep, goats. And, and those are kind of where Kangaroo? Monique. Kangaroo? <laughs> I don't know. You're asking me. <laughs> Camels are totally an option for somebody in Australia. Now that's true. And they actually do well on. They're we didn't even think of camels. Very inexpensive. How could we not think of camels, Monique? You totally need a camel on your two acres. I don't say that, Ast. <laughs> don't do it. Not yet. Okay, don't rush into camels. But in Australia, you can get a camel for very low, like five hundred bucks. You can get a nice camel. So, anyway, um, <laughs> sheep are a great idea. We were thinking for Monique because. You can use a couple sheep, you can rotate them. With two acres, you could totally do rotational grazing. And on that two acres, the way it looked right now, it could use some rotational grazing. Animals, when when properly managed, and Karen L is here with us today, 
Uh, she can confirm this. Uh, she literally works every day. Well, I, I don't know if every day out there. I'm going to make Karen <laughs> get out there and work every day, Karen. But all the time she's out helping farmers with their, rotate, with their grazing strategy. Animals properly managed on pasture will improve the pasture. And the pasture that you have right now definitely needs improved. So a couple little sheep, also a couple little goats. Goats are good dual purpose. You get some milk and get some um, meat off of them. And that was something Monique was interested in. Moving them around, even if you don't get too crazy, if you just take that big square field and kind of go four quadrants and just keep moving them, give the soil time to rest, and then maybe have a dry off lot where if everything needs to rest, you can pull them off and keep them in an area that you know you can feed them hay and that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah, so you definitely improve the sheep situation. Sheep would be there. great. Goats, pigs. Did you say pigs? We didn't talk about pigs yet. Making pigs sure great your your zoning allows for it. And <laughs> is Ben. We'll get to that in a second. That's great. <laughs> Hold that thought. Uh, also try feeders. So don't get into this thinking like I need rams. I need to breed these sheep. I need to have little babies. Give yourself a win that first year. Buy some feeders. Yeah. Even feeder pigs. Buy yourself two feeder pigs. That is one of the easier ways to get into it. So you, in whatever situation you are, if you're single, you don't have to worry about the male animals. Nothing's getting too big for you to handle. Yeah, that's a great bit of advice. With pigs, uh, if you get feeders, a, maybe a smaller heritage breed, although they can still be very big and very powerful, uh, I just went, if you haven't seen the video already, uh, go and watch the uh, Mouse Creek Farm interview, past Idaho Pasture Pig video. Uh, there you'll see how uh, at Mouse Creek Farm, all the feeding is done for the boars uh, from behind a wall. Because Kirsten and anybody, you really shouldn't go in with huge pigs when you're feeding I mean, them. You know, right? How's you're your bruise looking? You're just setting yourself up. It's almost all. Oh, it's not even bruised anymore. It still hurts a little, though. And he wasn't being aggressive. I was just in the fray. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nobody if should be alone. If you can avoid having to go in with picks. those animals, yeah. So set yourself up a little, maybe a little concrete pad with some good solid fencing and a lower fencing that you can, you know, take a bucket and pour it into a feeder from the opposite side. If you're doing this alone uh, without somebody there to pull you out of the pig pen should you fall down, uh, that's a great way to do pigs. Pigs are an awesome way to get a lot of meat from a small homestead. And Karen said don't do too much at first, which is always, always good advice. Yeah, if you've watched Homesteady for like 10 minutes, you know we're all about slow and steady. Infrastructure like, first. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, man. Wait till, and, you, uh, wait till next week's show. Just wait till next week's show. Oh, man. How's that for a little cliffhanger? That means next week we give you thumbs up for those two acres if that's it's going to put you in a good position do what you want to in your life your house and your two acres don't forget too a couple other cool ideas for the small acreage uh fish ponds even if they're little man-made ponds you can get a ton of protein from a little fish pond i would love to do a little fish pond here but i have to wait till all my human children <laughs> they're all going thumbs up once all my human children are old enough to totally swim without worry, mm -hmm. then I can have a fish pond. And you you approve uh, yourself <laughs> with <laughs> fish. Have a swimming test. I don't think no, no more no more aquaponics. No, no more aquaponics. No, just fish, not swimming. Prove yourself with fish care. Our two goldfish no. from uh, the hydroponic oh, system or aquaponics, the aquaponic whatever it was, years fish. ago that I've been taking care of ever since. Finally. 
finally died. They were Connecticut goldfish. They finally died. Yeah, R.I.P. We should have made a video for them. They were like a main... They, they beat Ladybug. Two goldfish. <laughs> R.I.P. I mean, with us. What? She, they lived with us as long as Lady, longer than Ladybug. Who knows how old they were. You don't. Who knows how old they were compared Ladybug. to Ladybug? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Who you know, knows if you really? cut a goldfish in half and you count the rings, you can find out how old they are. <laughs> and the government made the diseases that killed the rabbits. Maybe. I think Just they did. Just don't say really that without knowing for sure. i got to Google it right now. No, but thank you, Ben okay. Newman, <laughs> for encouraging that. So thank you for that super chat, Ben. Just so you guys know, any super chats... We split with our, uh, the kids are celebrating right now. They're, they're tips for our production crew. Please so. don't say his hair looks great. If you're going to give us a super chat don't and you want to accompany it. it with a compliment on any of the facial hair, I will, I will accept. I will accept. That's blood money right there. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Ben. Very, very nice. Um, and I hope that helps Monique. Doesn't eat fish. Oh man! All right. Well, Monique, you're gonna be a sheep and sheep, goat, goat and, and pig. Pig. Now, she did mention of she wasn't able to do cooney coonies. Yeah. Uh, but uh, cooney coonies. You know, find some feeders. Yeah, and if you're looking for like a more a smaller, there are lots of pig breeds out there. So that, find a and more that are docile. Known for, yeah, d d docility, docility, and chillness. Yeah. Yeah. Look for the chillest pig you can find, and that also could be in the, not just the breed, but in the the line. So find a good pig find your breeder, mentor. Find your mentor. Find your Kirsten or your Tom. They can also direct you to the slaughterhouses you need. Oh, this is one more great point we had. Yes. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I before you get into all these things, make sure you have a slaughterhouse. Make sure you have a slaughterhouse. Because that can be a big problem if you're not ready to handle that yourself. You could raise all these pigs and be like, all right, I'm ready for butcher day. And nobody's there to do yeah, it. Yeah, even if you have a mobile one that'll come to you, some areas do, would be fantastic. And a good hay and feed source. Because if you're going to do a lot of livestock on small acreage, you absolutely need to prepare to supplement their feed, uh, their diet. Um, the ruminants, not as much, but you'll still want to have a good hay source if you're going to have ruminants over the winter, which she like doesn't have winter because yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Warm, yeah. Why don't we live in... Australia because, because everything make, can kill you. Because they make viruses to kill rabbits. So stay alive, Monique. Farm it up down and uh, send us updates if you get that property. Yeah. That could be the first episode uh, episode of Homestead Hunters. Oh, somebody said love it or list it, which I think is a fantastic idea too because they look for properties at the same time. But you can also be like fixing up their barn or their fencing. Say, do you still want to stay here? Do you want to move to this other farm? Fantastic. Guys, we need names. We need names, names. for this show. In the chat section, give us a good Homestead uh Homestead Hunters, <laughs> love it or fence it. I want to hear the names. I've got one that's totally inappropriate. Oh, man. Sorry. Well, okay. We can't do that. <laughs> it's a family-friendly show. All right. Farm it or forget it. How's that? Okay. <laughs> then have the kids buy Bitcoin so they can buy houses later. All or right. homesteads in Australia. Kids, you just got yourself some more Bitcoin. But you gotta buy Bitcoin with it, and everybody else should be buying Bitcoin. Not too. Ethereum, Ben. Really? Come on, Ben. Ethereum, right now. We all know that's the next moonshot, <laughs> or or a moon safe. 
Is that a different one? That's a new one. Moon, Safe Moon. Safe Moon. Okay. Safe so, Moon is the new latest. Don't buy Safe Moon. I'm totally So joking. everybody. Don't get me into crypto. One of these days we'll have a crypto episode. We'll I, won't, have I won't be on it. Mm. All right. Did hope, we have any questions we can answer while Monique, we're here? I hope, that helped. There were a lot of questions. Awesome. Have you looked into pan feeding for piglet? Actually, we have. So set it up. Um, okay, so we're talking piglet. about our little piglet, right, who we've been feeding with syringe. The first day with syringe, and then I went to switch him to pan feeding. And I'm not sure if that has helped or made it worse because he tends to uh, drink with his nose, so he inhales this stuff. And I think that has actually caused him to develop the, the, the breathing issue that I'm seeing right now. Poor little guy. I, my goal is always, if we are helping an animal, that if it comes to the end, that they're comfortable, that they're warm, as fed as they can be, and we don't want to let them suffer at all. So we'll try to, try to keep them happy and healthy as long as we can. Enjoy the time we have with them because he is a pleasant little guy. His name's Bartok, if anyone has seen the uh, movie Anastasia, the animated one. Because with his little nose, he looks like a little bat. They look kind of bat-like mm -hmm. when they're born, those coonies. They're big ears. So we call him Bartok. I don't see any other questions. Somebody asked if our jerseys were loud when they're in heat. The younger ones are. Luna's getting a little quieter as she gets older. I love quiet animals. <laughs> oh. oh. That is one thing, Monique, you talked about the Nubians, but how you're looking for more quiet yes. in the country is Nubians can be very loud. There are some quieter breeds of goats. Our La Manchas were quieter. Our Nigerians and Nubians were both pretty loud. Our Sanin was very quiet as well. So remember that about, even sheep can be noisy. This is a big deal. I totally appreciate some people uh, literally, I mean, some, for some of us, the reason we're doing like homestead life is for the P and Q, right? Yeah. I love like a huge, I've become very sensitive to noise, noise, noise. My poor children know anytime there's a little bit of noise around me, I'm like, stop that, stop it, quiet now, I can't with the noise. So the animals, I mean, between the guineas, like endlessly and then you know, in the past when we had goats, that, and we had one goat that used to, every time I'd walk by her, she'd be like, Rah! She'd scream at him. Scream. It was awful. We, I sold that goat. I paid a lot of money for that goat. It was a good quality. Spit out five little mini goats yeah, in quads, one birth. Yeah, quads, actually. Quads. Pew, pew. Um, got rid of that noisy goat. She was so loud. So if noise is an issue, uh, definitely before you make a purchase, uh, if, if you want some peace and quiet, you got to consider that. And then the other thing I was thinking of is, don't forget, even smaller breeds like the Nigerian Dwarf, if you are looking for goats, you can get a lot of milk from even the smaller breeds. So yeah. maybe not as much meat, but. Uh, we did make Karen a mod, right? Karen's, Karen's mod, a mod. Thank you. So all thanks, the Cindy. Mods. Thanks, Karen. And then uh, we also have our in house mod. We got a, we, we dragged Kay's sister into. Uh, I'm sure she doesn't us, want so. you to know that, though. Yeah, we won't. We won't. We won't say who she is. We won't say who she is. But she's always mystery. watching. Always watching. Thank you. <laughs> Always watching. Whoever's always watching. <laughs> and yeah, I did say I made Karen one. And I saw Jack stepped in for a little bit. So oh, good. Mods are always very helpful. Yes, yeah, super helpful. Thank you all for being a part of the live show. Um, yeah, we're really, I missed it last week when we didn't do it. We I had to, bummed. yeah. 
a not fun appointment dentist yeah so. so and also i did the other live show and then we had a crazy week but that wasn't that bad uh, drama yeah and uh, thank you all for your support. Thank you, Ben, for the super chats. Like we said, any super chats split with the crew who's over there celebrating. They're going to go buy some Bitcoin. I haven't seen any of it, by the way. <laughs> Somebody's uh -oh. hair and kids are getting all of uh -oh. the attention here. I think, yeah, the, the studio gets all the rest of the super oh, chats. Okay. i, I got to fix this weird blue thing. i got to buy, like, a blue Yeah, filter. so we're, we look we're like really we're... nice and tan in one shot and not Go so to the tan tan. shot again. There's the tan. Oh man, you look great. Instantly. You look so healthy. So vibrant and healthy. Now go to the I have pneumonia or ascites. <laughs> ascites! And it doesn't help that we both wore blue. And I have water belly. <laughs> oh no, it's the ascites. <laughs> the only way to know for sure is to cut you open. Alright, with that, we're gonna shut this one down. We'll see you guys next week. Beep.